Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hello, welcome to the Business of Learning. I'm Michelle Eggleston Schwartz, Editorial Director at Training Industry, and your new co host. Welcome, Michelle. I'm excited to have you here as co host here on the Business of Learning. I'm Sarah Gallo, an editor at Training Industry, and today's episode is brought to you by Training Industries Agile for HR and L&D Certificate course. Business is moving faster than ever before, and organizations are looking for agile processes and solutions to keep pace. Training Industries Agile for HR and L&D certification will help you transform both learning and development and HR practices by creating adaptive and proactive systems of change that withstand even the most disruptive shifts in how we work and learn. Set yourself and your entire organization apart in the market by becoming an Agile certified professional. To learn more about the program, check out the notes for this episode. Where will Agile take you? Resilience is an invaluable trait in both our personal and professional lives. It arms us with the strength and agility we need to overcome obstacles and thrive in the face of change. Whether a global pandemic, an unexpected layoff, or a sudden shift to remote work, we've all experienced the impact of change. And the good news is that resilience is a skill that can be learned. Today, we're speaking with Gavin Sutton, Head of Learning and Development at Ogilvy, and Trisha Indiraz, learning and development consultant leader at the Cincinnati Insert Insurance Companies and an Agile Certified HR and L&D professional. Trisha, Gavin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, hello. Thank you, hello. Great, well to kick things off, why don't you both share your own definitions of resilience with us? Trisha, let's start with you. Yes, so I would define resilience as the ability to continue to develop, um, continue to learn, continue to find the opportunity, um, even when things maybe have not went your way or went the way you expected or hoped, but to continue to kind of see it more as an opportunity versus, you know, a situation where you might just kind of shut down and quit. Okay, um, so for me, it's about the ability to bounce back and, and learn from the, the struggles that you may have had during that sort of dip. It allows you to build experience as well, and that experience can absolutely be fuel for you the next time. So that that's how I define it. Well, great. I really like that terminology of bouncing back, kind of in, in the face of change or, or something difficult. Can you provide some insights on what resilience looks like in both corporate and learning environments? Gavin, um, why, don't, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I mean, this might be a bit controversial, but um, I feel that in a corporate environment, you need to have a safe environment that allows for people to make mistakes. Obviously not, you know, terrible mistakes that could cause the business to lose business or to the share price to drop, but just everyday mistakes or, or, or learning from challenges that, that of things that haven't quite gone quite right. The environment also needs to be one that really enables and invites feedback, one that coaching is sort of embraced as well. So managers and leaders know how to coach, want to coach and help people 
build the resilience up and learn and, and grow from things that maybe haven't gone as well as they should do. And it's also about you know, not catastrophizing mistakes. So I, I did, I spoke there about the environment being right. You know, there are leaders and environments where little mistakes can be blown up into massive issues. And, and that only helps people, well, it doesn't help people. It makes people go further and further and deeper, deeper into that sort of, oh my goodness, I've made such a mistake. I, I'm, I'm never going to bounce back from this. I'm never going to learn from it. I may as well not bother coming back to work tomorrow. Whereas if you have an environment where you kind of go, well, okay, that didn't go quite as well as it could have, or you could have done this a bit differently. As I said at the start, that, that builds up experience with people. It, it allows them that safe environment, that, that time to think and reflect on what's gone well, what they can learn for next time, um, and how they can pull themselves out as well. So when you take a bit of a knocking or a bruising, how can you pull yourself back out of that the next day or the, you know, the next week or whenever it is that you need to? And in terms of like the learning environment, I was really interested in, in that question because I feel, I mean, in, our, in my corporate environment, in my business, you know, we want to have that learning environment anyway. So it sort of really should go hand in hand, in my opinion. Um, I think a learning environment and a learning culture only helps people build resilience. Um, because again, back to my point about the environment being safe to make mistakes and to learn and to test and learn learning obviously encourages all of that so i do think they go hand they should go hand in hand and obviously as a learning professional i'm like yes you should have a learning culture and corporate environment should be a learning environment as well so yeah that's how i took the question good yeah i really like those points about um really the importance of culture in the environment and why it's so important to have um for employees to feel safe and really build in that that psychological safety in your points about learning and development and continuously learning, the idea of continuously learning is really what's going to build that resilience in, yeah. in employees moving forward. Tricia, did you have anything to add? No, I think it's just agreeing, you know, that psychological safety is huge. Um, I liked how you also pointed out that you can't just continue to talk about the mistake or make it, make it bigger than what it really was. We also have to be very um, protective and take into consideration that not every single person will behave and learn and try things the same way. So being open-minded that, you know, individuals are going to bring in their own individual ways of doing things and being able to be open to that, I think also really drives resilience as well. And it drives that psychological safety. I too also agree that the way that the corporation acts and the way that the learning and development department acts needs to be extremely aligned. Um, because if we're saying that it's a place to learn and develop, to grow, to try things out, to apply things out, but then the corporation is kind of saying, hey, that doesn't really align with what we're trying to do. Um, I don't think you're going to build the resilience that you're looking for. So I think they go hand in hand as well. Perfect. Thanks for that, Tricia. I like what you said too. Gavin about the importance of really coaching and kind of how coaching can help build that resilience as well. Definitely important in co coaching conversations for leaders to be open and kind of vulnerable about times they failed so that their team members feel like, you know, hey, my leader makes mistakes too. So they can feel like they can open up about that as well. Well, we've talked a bit about resilience on kind of that broader organizational level, but let's take a bit of a closer look 
Can you both tell us about a time when you've had to be resilient in your role and what that looked like? Trisha, do you want to start us off here? Um, Absolutely. So we have went through, you know, some specific changes in our department. This probably happened over the last 18 months. So during COVID, um, we also, you know, doing virtual learning and virtual um, development as well as virtual work. So part of the resilience has really been able to continue to champion the change, even when folks were sort of kind of pointing out and coming up with some pretty good arguments to the why we shouldn't change right now or to what the change is going to look like and the impact. And really being able to kind of stay true to that first initial reason, mission, vision of why we're doing the change. So part of what I had to really do is uncover a lot about what these people were afraid of, why they felt like maybe this particular change and how we work and and how we, um, what kind of responsibilities the individual contributors have versus just the management having those particular responsibilities what they were up against, what skill set they didn't have, what skill set that they think they didn't have, what resources they think they didn't have. And so some of this was was real for them, right? And being able to be resilient in the face of that adversity was for me to be able to say, okay, all of that is real, but it doesn't mean that I should change the direction that we're going. It doesn't mean that, oh, yep, you know what, this is real enough that we probably should stop. So the resiliency came in the sense of not wavering, knowing that it was causing kind of that uneasiness for others. That's something I, you know, had to kind of overcome that, hey, this is going to be uneasy for them. This isn't going to be fun for them, but stay resilient, stay to the path, because at the end of the day, it's the best thing for the company. The way that we're now operating is serving the company the best way. So I think that's kind of one of my most (laughs) immediate reactions to resiliency, uh, not kind of falling to the emotions and the, the, the worry and the concern of others, people, but being able to kind of show that, hey, this is where we're going and this is what we're doing. And it's a good thing. And really throughout the whole pandemic, conversations looked different. They were virtual. They were not in person. You couldn't really you know, see everybody every day working. And so a lot of, uh, a lot of stretching and growing in that during this past 18 months. For sure. Gavin, do you have anything to add on there about your own experience? Yeah, I really, I, I, I sort of, I was thinking about it there and I was like, I can't talk about the pandemic. I'm going to try not to talk about the pandemic because it's, <laughs> but I am going to talk about the pandemic because I think just totally agreeing with what you've just said there, you know, the last 18 months, I think every single person has learned not just about being resilient, but learned about themselves and therefore how to be more resilient with all the challenges that we faced. And organizations are are no different to that too. But I'm going to narrow it down a little bit just to to sort of talk about, you know, certainly the the shifting signs that I've seen with learning development and how that's affected me and the dips and troughs that I've had and how I've had to bounce back and, and think about, you know, becoming more resilient myself. When, when obviously COVID hit back in March, we had a really brilliant L&D offering. People came to workshops. People wanted to have that face-to-face interaction. You know, we got really great feedback all the time. And it was brilliant. And it was a real buzz. And we'd been recognized at our yearly town hall as a team. And, you know, it was really positive. 
And then when COVID hit, obviously the strategy we'd spent the last sort of three to six months developing, it was was really sophisticated. I was three years into my role, really understanding the network of the business and how things worked well and what operated and and how. And we had to sort of tear it up a little bit, it felt like, when we had to go into lockdown and, 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 and change everything to virtual and be reactive, which, you know, I hate it. It was a real, I, I like being more strategic and long-term and it just became this really reactive churn uh, type of role. And, you know, I hit a real low uh, probably about two months in because it just felt like the things we were being asked for, we were just being asked for all these answers and all these solutions and all these things. And, you know, how do we work hybrid? How do we keep our team motivated? How do we do this? And I, I was struggling to do it with my own team and I, I didn't have all the answers and it was totally new to all of us. And then added to that, we would put workshops on for people to help with the stuff that they wanted answers to and they wouldn't show up. They're too busy. They Something came up. And again, that knocked my, my sources of energy and my resilience quite, quite heavily. And I think over time, you know, thinking about those bouncing back strategies that I have in my head about being self-aware, about like, what's really going on here? Why am I feeling this way? How can I be more resilient and be the best that I can? You just start to sort of unpick it and see it more as a problem. And that's what I did over the last six months was rather than being negative and upset that things hadn't gone quite as we planned, start to think about, well, actually, this is quite cool. How do we how do we embrace hybrid working? How do we get under the skin of this these challenges that are in front of us, people not coming to, to workshops? And started to come up with really exciting ideas about, you know, becoming more of a content studio as, a, as an L&D function. You're creating more content, more bite-sized content, less about workshops um, or, or a mix. And as soon as that excitement started to come back, my resilience levels built up. I was better at my job. My team started to get what they needed from me as well. But it took a very long time. And I think the last year and a half for everybody has been so tough. But what's been asked of us in our roles as, as HR professionals and, and L&D professionals has, has really taken a hit. And, and, and I do think now we're coming out the other side of it. It's, it's just being aware of what we've learned in the last year and using that to fuel kind of what's next. And, and, and I'm really optimistic about the future, but I have been down to the, the very pits of despair at times as well. And, and I think I'll always remember the, the pits and, and the low points for the next time because it will help. We will get more challenges, more things will happen, and I'll need to bounce back again. But um, it's, I've learned so much about myself and, and the organisation in this time. So... Thank you, Gavin, for bringing bringing up those points, because kind of reflecting on those early days of the pandemic and just kind of how how defeating it felt at times to have to rip up your plans and really kind of move into this reactive mode versus being strategic like like you had mentioned. But now, after having some time to kind of take a deep breath and we have this great opportunity ahead of us to kind of reinvent our organizations in our learning and development programs. So um, really this is a great opportunity for kind of this next chapter. Kind of with that, moving on to um, my next question, I'd be interested to hear what advice you both have for other learning leaders looking to become more resilient. Tricia, do you wanna kick us off with this question? Sure. I would probably suggest that to be more resilient and to kind of really practice that particular 
behavior is to, you know, be mindful of when they're in kind of that moment of defeat or that pit that Gavin was mentioning, to be aware of the emotions that they're carrying with them. Um, so kind of just to, to understand themselves. Then I would also really kind of give other leaders, not just in learning and development, but even other leaders throughout other business units and other organizations that are not learning and development specific, just to really be able to take care of yourself. Um, again, find that opportunity. You know, there's an opportunity in even those, you know, pits. What's the learning opportunity? What's the opportunity to learn about myself, to learn about others, to interact with different people? So just kind of seeing it more from a positive standpoint, I guess, is what I would say versus the negative. Allow yourself to maybe go to that darker side for a little bit just because you're human and don't take it out as, oh, I got to always be positive. That's not what really what I'm saying, but be mindful of how long you stay kind of in that pit. Um, and then really just take care of yourself, you know, take care of yourself, allow others to take care of themselves when they kind of feel defeated, allow that emotion to be visible as well as come up so that you can talk about it. Um, I think that's the other thing. A lot of people don't really like to talk about defeat, don't like to talk about um, when they're not doing well. Um, you know, I think some people see that as a burden or maybe it's taboo to talk about it. But I think the more you do become, um, or the more you allow for it to be talked about, I think you become more aware that, hey, everybody has a different threshold. And, you know, it's not, it's not our job to be psychiatrists, but it's really our job as humans and, and leaders, as well as coaches and, and partners to say, okay, this is a real emotion and let's kind of work through it. So be more open to it and what's causing that feeling, what's causing that you know, downside and, and how might you, as the person that needs to kind of be resilient, how might you accomplish that? What are the small steps? So those are kind of my thoughts around, you know, giving other leaders the ability to think through what they could do to be a little bit more resilient. And again, it comes with awareness, being mindful, allowing yourself to see the positive, even when it feels like everything's kind of negative, and then just giving yourself time to be, to be self-cared for and self-care for yourself as well. Those are great points. Gavin, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I thought, I thought they were brilliant, brilliant points. And, and I'm, I'm probably going to repeat some of them. I'll build on some of them as well because they were, they were brilliant. I think seeing every problem that, or challenge that you face as a chance to learn, and, and I know that's just been touched on, is, is really key for all of us. And also, we, we don't all have the answers, particularly in this uncertain time and not being hard on yourself about that. The other key thing that I would tell, this is the biggest tip I got from a coach once, which, and my wife tells me this all the time, every, every day I'm having a meltdown, which is probably more often than I should. Um, she'll always say, it'll be better tomorrow, like regardless of how you feel. Just the worst thing that has ever happened and you describe it to your other half or to someone that, that's willing to listen. And you can see them going, this is not really a big problem. Why, why are you so down and, and upset and, and frustrated by this? And But they, they listen because they want to be that ally to you. Uh, and and that, that's been covered already. I think it's key to have an ally uh, if you can. 
but just having a night's sleep, you come back the next day and you kind of think you feel guilty. If you're bouncing back, you feel guilty because you're like, why did I make such a big fuss of that? But if you can be aware of that in the moment when you're in that, that low point of that stressed or frustrated point where you just feel a bit hopeless, just remember that the next day it, it will, it will be, even if it's 10% better, it's, it's going to be better regardless. I think just building on, on the leadership point as well, you know, I, I've certainly noticed a lot of leaders have got more and more and more tired as the last 18 months has gone on. And a lot of people that are charismatic and energetic normally have been really drained because they're taking on so much on themselves. And I think, you know, to the point that's been made, finding that ally, that person that they can talk to, to unload or just to have a rant, whatever it is that's needed to happen, uh, who can give them a bit of perspective, I think is key because leaders good leaders are trying so hard to solve and fix and be there for their teams. They're not looking after themselves. And, uh, you know, that I think is such a key worry for me moving forward, whether it's a time thing, people having capacity, leaders having capacity to, to go and fix themselves and think about them time. But also that tiredness, if they are tired and not looking after themselves, how that then reflects on their team members and the business and the people around them. Because vulnerability is, is one thing. We talked about that at the start. It's, it's really refreshing to hear leaders, you know, share stories of when things have gone wrong and what they learned, and that's great. But tiredness and low energy from leadership is, is a very different thing. And it can be, one is vulnerability is a positive, tiredness and low energy can be, you know, have quite a negative impact. So, just building the point, I absolutely think just just make time to speak to people and to share and to have a have a moan, have a rant, whatever it is you need to do, and know it's going to be better the next day. Yeah, those are really, really good to keep in mind. Do you have any tips or best practices for delivering resilience training to employees? Kind of how can we help boost um, the energy levels of the entire workforce? Trisha, do you want to? Sure. Anything to add to that? Um, yeah. So basically, I will say that we we did a lot of things last year when you know everybody went to virtual. There was a lot of different companies that support learning, and we did you know a lot of mindfulness learning. We did stress management learning. We did some emotional awareness learning. I think in order to be to really build that resilience, you, you should offer some learning that allows for people to dig into themselves first and foremost. What we have done as a corporation up until now, um, which is a positive thing, it's a good thing, but up until now, we've always really been to how you behave as a professional, how you work as a member of the Cincinnati Insurance Company from an insurance standpoint. How, what does customer service look like? What does professionalism look like? What are management techniques? And based on where we have been in the last year, we've started talking about, you know, mental, mental awareness and mental health. And I think that as you start to open up some of that conversation in the workplace, you start to get to people's real, hey, I'm feeling this way. I'm going to own this emotion. <clears throat> I'm going to be willing to kind of understand where it's coming from and why. And then I'm going to kind of try to sit and just get better each day. 
And I don't know that that was a topic of conversation that was maybe as widely known that you have different resources and different avenues. Um, I think now every company that's doing something like that is becoming a little bit more comfortable allowing for that conversation to happen in the workplace because we've learned that you're bringing your whole self here. <laughs> There's no work-life balance. There's no, I shouldn't say balance. There's no work-life. Like you're not a, you're not a different person when you're at home than when you are at work. You might behave differently, but you bring everything with you. So we found some success in just being open to talking about stress, talking about emotion, talking about the energy levels that people bring when they're in times of defeat or stress and making it a real conversation. So those are some of the tidbits that we've had some wins from. And I think it's, it's been good for us to be able to be a little bit more open as an organization with those things. Right. Gavin, I'm interested here in terms of kind of training Ogilvy has been delivering. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing I'm going to say before I get into detail about some of the training we've done, we've done resilience training uh, for quite a while, actually, which has been great, sort of really ahead of the curve of, of mental health and well-being getting such a focus um, in businesses and rightly so it has now but we, we do, we've done resilience for a while one of the big things that I always remember one of the facilitators and she was brilliant at it saying at the start of the session was like people going to training for like client services or for data analytics you know that's technical training you, you if you're if you take in the learning, you will learn, you should be able to be competent at that skill. People have misconceptions, certainly in the UK, they come to resilience training thinking that they're going to be fixed. So that they're never going to be you know, not, not resilient again. And I think just dispelling that, that rumor or that thinking at the start is really important for any resilience training that we've done. And, and really just flipping it more to, you know, coping mechanisms, self-awareness, having those conversations about when it's happening, um, much to Trisha's point earlier. And that's kind of been the focus for us. We've had to do a lot of, of training, particularly around mental health and well-being and resilience since the pandemic has started. And, you know, that that has been helpful for people. It's the problem we've got is we're, we're facing such uncertainty, as I've said before, and, and we're going into, we went into a situation we've never been in before. So when we've done resilience training before, we have quite a stable corporate environment we're in, you know, and working environment and personal environment. When you add to that the complexity of total uncertainty, total unknown of professional and personal, the future, what, what, what's that going to hold? It does add, it probably doesn't make the training as impactful as, as it could be because there are there's just not the we don't have the answers we, we don't have an a settled environment that we are in at that minute and and that is the biggest challenge to resilience really for people so yeah i i think that answered the question um yeah mentioned the pandemic again didn't i sorry <laughs> it's hard not to right i know i know it's quite a big thing <laughs> <laughs> just a bit well thanks for breaking that all down for us We've talked about how resilience can help leaders navigate some of those challenges in their roles, um, whether it's prioritizing their mental health or navigating times of change along with their team. How can resilience also position learning leaders and their entire organizations for success in the future, um, specifically during times of change? 
again, I, if I think about my definition specifically about resilience and even Gavin's being able to bounce back, we talked a little bit about creating psychological safety. I think it comes to, you know, just having those open conversations and trainings about what resilience can do for you as a person, for you as a leader, for the organization. I think it's just, it's going to help people find new ways. I work in a pretty conservative industry. There's reasons that there's kind of rules and there's guidelines and there's processes. But when you're, when you have faced maybe defeat or maybe something didn't go as you planned, when you have that mindset or that opportunity to see that, hey, maybe we didn't want it to go this way, it went this way, but what can we do to pivot and to feel comfortable in order to pivot and to be agile and to be ready for change? When you start to shift the thinking from we're stuck, we don't know what to do, to okay, we can still try something else. Let's just quickly pivot. Let's change the direction here. Let's think about what went wrong. Let's do kind of that postmortem. Let's, let's try to move forward. I think you just start to build resilience. I don't think it's something that doesn't naturally happen when you're having those kind of conversations. So I feel like it's a, it's a topic that you talk about. I think it's a topic that you allow for people to experience. I think it's a topic that you allow for people to to see where success has been had because they've been resilient. I just, it's kind of like, again, like the emotional intelligence topic, um, the professional topic, the customer service resilience is just part of the conversation, I think, is how you're going to move leaders and, and how you're going to get people to, to be more resilient is when you just allow for the conversation to happen, not just the training. Yeah. So, I mean, again, really great points. I, I think. I'm not going to repeat, obviously, some of the stuff that's been said, but the whole premise for me, and I've mentioned the bouncing back thing and learning from things that maybe haven't gone so well or experiences that haven't been, uh, you know, the happiest for people. But I think it just feeds in for leaders, for businesses and for individuals. I think we're going to have a real, like, test and learn mindset, which which is actually great. I mean, that's what, in, certainly in HR and, and L&D, we want to be more like test and learn rather than, you know, try and come up with the most perfect thing that takes two years to create. And then by that point, it's outdated. So I think that's, that's for me, like resilience wise, that's what we need to kind of, that's the one core thing we can take from being more resilient is, right, if this is a challenge, like, okay, we're in a real low, this has gone wrong, great. How do we learn? How do we then test and go again? And, you know, all businesses want to be like that. All leaders want to be like that. You know, it, it's, it's just something that, I think it's really exciting and I think resilience can help businesses just probably be a bit more agile, if I'm honest, and, and not get, get really worried about things going wrong. Well, great. Um, thank you both for sharing such timely insights with our listeners. But before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share that we haven't covered? You know, I think that one of the one of the things that I probably would say from what I've seen pre and post pandemic, what I've what I've done in the learning and development world is that learning and development is all about trying, right? And it's all about trying something that maybe you aren't comfortable doing or 
you have never done before. Um, and so I think that my only my only parting thought and, and tidbit to others is to say within the business, it, it's okay to try something, just like when it's learning something new. You know, I don't know how many people ride a bike, but I can I always kind of relate it to that is that you didn't know how to ride a bike, but you got on and you got on the bike and yeah, you maybe got hurt, but you got back up because the thrill of being able to do it drove the fe- drove away some of the fear of maybe what the hurt and the pain is going to feel like. And I just think sometimes when we get into our professional world, when corporations don't allow for some of that to happen, you're going to you're going to take away some of that learning, you're going to take away some of that resilience, you're going to take away some of that opportunity for people to be agile. And so for corporations, I say, you know, really understand what psychological safety is and what that looks like to to the individuals that work for you. Um, every industry is probably a little different, so I don't want to pretend that I know about all the industries, but I would definitely say that most of us work in an environment where we can probably try different things and we're not going to, we're not going to break the bank. We're not going to take the business down. So I think we just have to kind of allow for that, allow time and space for that. And, and like Gavin said, don't make it so big and blow it out of proportion or keep talking about that failure because that's when people start to, to feel like it's not safe. So that's kind of my parting thoughts for corporations and other leaders. Yeah, and again, great, great points. I think the um, the, the parting shot for me is is very much like learn to be resilient. You, you don't just fix resilience. You don't just suddenly become resilient. And I think being be it's all about for me self awareness. And I think that's both for businesses and for individuals as well. If you're aware when things are going really well and you're you're high on the curve and you know you've had a great project or a great piece of work or something's gone really well for you, enjoy that and bottle it up, obviously. But also, weirdly enough, try and enjoy when it's it's a bit low and when things are really challenging and 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 see it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. And that that again that fits with organizations as well as it does for individuals. And I think again, my final, final bit is the last 18 months, the whole world has been pretty resilient. And I think everything from this point forward, when we get through this, the pandemic, I feel like we'll have learned so much, which is by being resilient, which is amazing. And we'll also, everything should be a bit more positive and, and we should appreciate the, the positivity, the freedom, the, the good things that happen and, and learn. Don't forget what we've learned in the last 18 months. Um, there's some great parting thoughts. I know a lot of us will appreciate the little things, whether it's a, a family dinner that we may have before felt dragged to that now we just cherish. So great to hear. On that note, Gavin and Trisha, thank you so much for speaking with us today. How can our listeners get in touch with you after the episode if they'd like to? My best way is to, to connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, it's Trisha Enderhees. And then also I'm happy to... Um, share my email address. I don't know if you guys can do that from the training ancestry or um, if I need to do that. Um, But yeah, reach out LinkedIn, reach out through email. I'm always looking to kind of connect and and learn from others. So I'm happy to to share whatever information is requested. Yeah, likewise, uh, Gavin Sutton on LinkedIn, just drop me a message in there, add me and we'll, uh, I'll pick up with you happy happy like Trisha to, to to have conversations and chat about all of all of this stuff and more 
Um, and, and likewise, I'll share out my email address um, with, with this too. But yeah, happy to hear from you. Happy to, uh, if you want to have a rant with me as well, like absolutely fine, but uh, really open to, to having conversations. For more insights on building resilience and to view the highlights from the episode in animation, check out the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. As always, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. We greatly welcome your feedback on today's episode or on anything else you'd like to share with us. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.